All right, welcome to episode seven of the We Hate Football podcast. I'm Mark, and I'm here with my good friends Matt and Steve to discuss this week's uh, divisional playoff rounds. Hello. And let's start right away. Hi, everybody. Um, you know, last week we went in chronological order. That seemed to work out just fine. So, uh, unless anyone objects, we can start with the uh, Chiefs-Patriots game. Hey, did you know, did you know that Fouts is French for Deerdorf? I did not know that. <laughs> what? Where is that coming from? Dan Fouts just, that whole game was absolutely ridiculous. Um, calling for a, a, a roughing the passer penalty on Rob Ninkovich. And his, he's like, Jake Smith down to the ground. <laughs> so you mean you he know, tackled? <laughs> I think you would be a lot happier if you watched football the way I usually do. The With a nice 30-second skip, yeah. skip button and not hearing damn thing the announcer said. I did that for a couple. I did that for <laughs> yesterday's games, but not Saturday. Steve, I, I'm with you, Steve. I, I, Mark and I always argue about this. I like getting into the, the flow of the game. I like hearing, you know, what's happening. I like, like you, Mark, I bet you you miss a ton of stuff. I know you don't I, care. but I, I'm might. I, I would say I watched two of the games live and two of them fast-forwarded. If you, you average it, if you average well, it all out live, I still skip all commercials. I never watch commercials. Of course, now. no Screw commercials. Com- how do we have commercial in commercials in this day and age? Honestly, how do we have them anymore? I don't know. They're it should retarded. be like soccer, where it's just like in the top left of the screen or whatever. You have a mm. logo that pops up every now and then, and it switches. But I mean, that's the thing, Matt. You said like flow of the game. I, I feel like there is no flow of the game. Mm. I just like I just like being in the flow of the game so I can hear Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels talk about sports betting because that's kind of what I live for in these games. I mean, <laughs> Al Michaels, you couldn't be more snide than Al Michaels is. It's impossible. He just doesn't care anymore, and I love that about him. And, of course, there was an absolutely amazing sports betting moment this weekend in the last game, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, let's get back to the Chiefs and uh, Patriots. I, I took us on an initial tangent when really the story of the day is Andy Reid. Well, okay. <laughs> Andy Reid takes a lot of punishment, and a lot of it he deserves for his horrific clock management. Did you see his comments? And I did not see his comments. That, that he said that they were running a hurry-up offense. Oh, well. You, guys, so, you have to understand, Andy Reid is a big man, okay? <laughs> fast for him is not fast for normal people. This is fast yeah. for Andy Reid. Yeah, well, I'm sure anybody who watched the Chiefs-Patriots game noticed the 64-play, uh, 39-minute drive that the Chiefs had when they were down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And probably like me you were just screaming at your tv like what are you doing and it wasn't all Andy Reid's fault there were a couple spots where receivers caught passes along the sideline and they should have just stepped out right there and then but they tried to make some magic happen and they ended up getting tackled in bounds but uh, the Chiefs especially without Macklin they're just ill-equipped to move the ball quickly 
I've got a theory about that. There was an episode of South Park where they made the playoffs and they didn't realize that if they kept winning, they'd have to go further and further and further and further. So eventually, oh, so eventually they just decided they would try to lose the game. And I feel like that's what's going on here. <laughs> that's, one, that's one of the best episodes of South yeah. Park, the, the losing edge. Well, yeah, if you want to go to a, this is America, <laughs> if you want to go to a play that would signify that maybe they were trying to throw the game, the second down with two minutes and 20 seconds to go. That's what I was going to bring up next. Where they, they run the ball and then it's running and they don't get a playoff now. So that just played, but Mark, you did said you didn't see his post game comments. They were no, trying to didn't. get the right personnel in. Oh, they were Lord. changing personnel with the clock running in 20 seconds. They changing personnel. Yeah. And what we're talking about is we had the, uh, and this was one of the plays where a receiver got tackled in bounds at the one yard line. And the clock was running with about two and a half minutes left. And the Chiefs decided to get up there and uh, try to run Sharkondrick Rest right up the middle which is the first thing I have a problem with. P teams really underestimate the value of a good play-action rollout near the goal line. Running someone right up the middle is typically so stupid. You have Alex Smith, who's infinitely mobile. Well, I mean, not as mobile as Cam, but he's really mobile. And you should just do a bootleg, and he'll walk in the end zone 90% of the time. But... They and if not, he can throw the ball away and the clock stops and you get another play. Yeah, you have to have some sort of contingency plan for when your one-yard touchdown run does not work. <laughs> what, what you can't do is have all your fans pulling their fucking hair out while 25 seconds are helplessly rolling off the clock and just the whole country is throwing things at their fucking TV, except <laughs> Patriots fans, which are like, yep, this is how things work out for us every time. And Eagles fans <laughs> who were just sympathetically embarrassed. It was just, I couldn't even <laughs> look at the TV. I, I just had to hide. I just couldn't look at it. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, a, it was, it was the second most depressing moment of the game. Uh, the the first being when the early in the fourth quarter I believe it was when the Patriots were still up two touchdowns. The Chiefs had a fourth and ten that they went for because you know it was correct at the time. They threw a pass thirty yards downfield, and instead of just knocking it down like you should. A Patriots defensive back, I don't know which one it was, maybe Steve will, he decided to make like this incredible toe-tapping along the sideline interception, a la Chris Carter. And it wasn't immediate, there was no immediate ruling on the catch, but after like five seconds of conferencing, the refs called it an interception and a good catch. And the entire Patriots secondary was standing, they were standing around the referees. And when it was ruled an interception, they all just celebrated like a pack of fucking idiots, not realizing they cost their team 30 yards of field possession. <laughs> and it was just the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Is 
Well, God. let me suggest. I, let me first of all suggest that at least some of the celebrating was the fact that there was a turnover on downs either way that they get, that they got the ball back. I mean, obviously some of it was just you know, oh yeah, I got an interception stupidity. But at least some of it is oh. the elation of knowing that you've got the ball back now, and so you're probably going to win. You're such a goddamn apologist for these morons. Makes me sick. <laughs> I mean, this this just can't happen on a Belichick team. When, when it's fourth down, you have to be coached up enough to know that if there's a long pass thrown downfield, you do not pick it off unless you have many, many yards of clear daylight in front of you. But this was not that situation. This was... He made an... And, of course, it's worth mentioning that this interception later got overturned to a non-catch because the Patriots just walk on water. So, <laughs> so this ends up not costing the Patriots anyhow, and it ended up being a turnover on downs. But it was just so stupid. And I anticipated it, too. I saw the players standing around waiting for the referees to make the ruling. And I'm going to say... These guys are so fucking dumb. If the referee rules this an interception, they're going to celebrate like they won the Super Bowl. And they did. <laughs> so, so predictable how stupid these fucking guys are. 90% well, of them would be working at McDonald's if it wasn't for the NFL. That's why they play defense, though, isn't it? <laughs> I mean... I don't know how much... You know, let me, let me suggest that that interception is worth, like, $250,000 on his next contract. Just Agreed. some sort of, like, market correction of he's got one higher stat to negotiate with. Well, players' contracts are loaded with incentives nowadays, and that's within the realm of possibility. But it, it's a playoff game. But the whole you team, can't... you're right. Like, the other guys don't get a bonus because their friend yeah. got an interception. They're all stupid. They're just happy for the guys getting the bonus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that's. He's gonna take us all out to Red Lobster yeah, or the Sizzler. Yeah, going Sizzler. <laughs> I like that Matt went with Applebee's. That I poor restaurant. Played on a basketball team in upstate New York. Okay, let's just. There was know. an Applebee's that was like the only place in walking distance that d did really good gluten-free stuff, and it's in the middle of BC campus, and somehow went out of business. I have no idea how a bar in the middle of a college campus can't stay in business, but it can't. Um, so that was depressing. Anyway, uh, I, didn't just I need to say something quick about uh, the Colquitt brothers, these okay. punchers <laughs> of absolute doom. I mean, I, can't, I haven't seen anything like friggin' Dustin Colquitt's punts. He just puts punts exactly where they need to go. Every time, bounce at the four-yard line, straight up. Bounce at the three-yard line, straight up. All right, bounce and give enough time to your guy to go, and then they go he's crazy to the sideways. Didn't, um, and... didn't Jeff Fiegels always used to be the master of the coffin corner punt? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about what a great day the Chiefs punter had, that's yep. a good indication <laughs> of how well they did in the game. But, I mean, bless their little hearts, they... They tried their best. They they were they without made a good run. They were without Jeremy Macklin and of course without Spencer Ware and without Jamal Charles for the you know twelfth straight game or whatever. And with but Andy Reid, they just they just ran out of gas against a Patriots team 
that finally had Julian Edelman back. And you could tell that really mattered for them. Just having him available in the slot. I, I think he ended up with 10 catches for around 100 yards or something like that. He was That's extremely... Exactly correct. Exactly. Is it? Like, yeah. he's, he's extremely valuable for them. Gronkowski had a monster game too. Two touchdowns. Yeah, Gronk responded. Gronk obviously listens to the podcast and yeah. uh, heard when I called Jordan Reed the best tight end in the league. And he said, fuck you, Roland. I'm going to go out there and catch a couple touchdowns. <laughs> so good job to Gronk for responding to my challenge. <laughs> um, what did you guys think of the Amendola hit? Headhunting or good, clean, scrappy fun? Well, when when you're a white player and you make that hit, you're gritty and you're gym rat and it's just a it's just a scrappy play trying to win a game and you know if you, if Pac-Man Jones made that hit he's a thug and a criminal and which which is fine I'm fine with the way things are <laughs> I, I like that racism exists so that I can point it out and laugh <laughs> well I mean, it, it's not like Amendola has a history of this kind of thing. Um, I don't know. It's if he got suspended for a game, it wouldn't be the most undeserving thing in the history oh, of the I world. I mean, he definitely shouldn't suspend him for a playoff game. Maybe game one of next year's regular season. Can you really like what? How could you like look in the face of Denver fans and say, "Oh, we're suspending him, but not for your game for the first it's, game it's, of next it's season"? It's happened before, has it really? Yeah, I'm not sure about football, but it's um, I've seen it happen. I wish I could point to an instance of it, but it's I'm a hundred percent sure that it's happened before. Playoff so games there's are just precedent, too... but it's not like it's yeah. a common occurrence. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm of the opinion that he shouldn't be suspended at all, and. I don't know where I was going with that uh, Pac-Man Jones Amendola comparison. I'm just, I think I'm just dying to say the N-word on Martin Luther King Day personally, but who knows? This is, <laughs> I'm gonna cut so much of this out before you get stabbed. <laughs> you hear what that honky said on that radio show? Let's go stab I bet, him. I bet, I bet it wouldn't be a white person that stabbed me. Just saying. By the way, it was, it was Dwight Howard. Who stabbed Was it him? Dwight Howard? Yeah. <laughs> they got suspended for a regular season game, dude. Oh, yeah, in, in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah, he got a fourth flagrant <laughs> foul for the, in the NBA postseason. So, uh, yeah, they, okay. they suspended him for one game. You know, it's, it's so funny. If you're going to suspend a guy, suspend a guy. I mean, it's pointless to suspend them for one game. If you're on a good team, it's not going to make any difference. In uh, especially, season. like, in basketball. I mean, obviously, football, every game, playoff game is so crucial. You only get the one. But yeah. in basketball, you have seven-game series. It would be like a like a slightly more than a slap on the wrist to suspend a player for one game of a seven-game series. Exactly. Which, yeah. Yeah. Football is it's a lot. It's a lot different. But I mean, you can't like like trying to say you're suspending a guy for one game. It doesn't do anything. First of all, you forget about it the next season anyway. It's like you know, there's how many months off. It's like you don't even remember what happened anymore. It's kind of a stupid thing. Yeah. Just suspend them. If you're gonna suspend them, suspend them. Or don't. Um, uh, I don't have too much more to talk about in this game, but 
uh, I, I do always love seeing the 100% success rate of the Tom Brady quarterback sneak at the goal line. There were the there was a play where Brady had a run uh, down to the one-yard line. It looked like he scored a touchdown. I think it was actually originally ruled a touchdown, and it got overturned. And then they just had the ball, like, at the half-yard mark, and they just did their patented, fuck you, would just extend the ball over the goal line and get a touchdown, which no team just no team ever does that, I, <laughs> except the Patriots. I mean, not no team. Obviously, Cam Newton has a share of one-yard touchdowns too. But I have a I have a strategy question. Sure. So the situation that the the Patriots were in on defense when the Chiefs were driving late in the game. Um, what's to stop them from tackling the intended receiver on every every play, and just like accepting another half? half the distance to the goal, half the distance to the goal, wasting another eight to ten seconds every play, and just, they can't do anything. They can't pass uh, the ball. You mean, What's to stop You mean when the Chiefs that? were still down 14, attempting to get down seven? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but I advocate it all the time. And uh, people tend to disagree with me. But there's, there's a lot of situations, especially before halftime, where you should be basically mauling the opponent's receivers <laughs> to stop them from scoring a touchdown. But if you just keep mauling them and mauling them and mauling them, eventually they're going to run out of time in the half, and it's going to become... A single untimed play. It's going to become strategically incorrect to go for the touchdown because you should yeah. take the three points. But even if you're at the one-yard line with, like, one second left in the half... You should be kicking the field goal because a big part of going for it on fourth down in that spot is that there are benefits to missing it. But with one second left in the half, those benefits do not exist. So that's why it's typically correct to kick a field goal there. And not enough defensive coaches are have the presence of mind to just essentially tell their players to cheat and and have time run off the clock. Oh, speaking of cheating, I did notice, as much as I want to complain about Dan Fouts, I didn't notice a single deflate gate reference the entire game. I have to be, I'm really proud of that team, that that announcing team. Like good on them. Good for them. Has that been something that that's been plaguing the Patriots all season. Even in just regular season games, it at least gets two or three different mentions. Like, okay. and it's the first playoffs afterwards, so you'd think that they'd be itching. You know that if it was Collinsworth, he would have said something every other drive. Yeah, I haven't really paid attention too much to the Deflake <clears throat> references all through the season, but it's what it is. What it is. The the Patriots should mostly count their blessings that they miraculously had that Brady suspension overturned because that seemed unlikely. Oh, well, um, well, when you hire, you know, frickin' frack attorneys at law to write up the worst, you know, report with nonsense ever, you, it, you get what you deserve. Yeah, the Even, NFL doesn't have their shit together. Goodell's a bum. They're all bums. Everyone's a bum. Concussion in, in Matt, theaters Matt, now. Matt, do you have anything else for this game before we move on to a game numero dos? Yeah, is there anybody in the world that's living a better life than Tom Brady right now? I mean, 
maybe Anybody? five or ten people. That's about Donald it. Trump. I mean, let's see. Uh, <laughs> married, married, married to a supermodel. Check. Best quarterback in the NFL. Check. Have the best coach coaching you. Check. Worth Even, billions of dollars. Check. I mean, he's not worth billions, but he is a motherfucker. Check. There, I mean, there becomes on. there becomes a point where you have so much money that like hundreds of millions, billions, it's all the same. Unless you want to own a sports team or something. And personally, I'd rather be Tom Brady with like two percent the money of a billionaire, because you have all those athletic accolades. You're four-time, possibly soon-to-be five-time winning Super Bowl quarterback. And, of course, you bone Giselle. Yeah. Well, I mean, like what would you rather be? Like, Tom Brady, but with, like, a cap of $25 million wealth, like, ever? Or, like, one of the Walton heirs who has $500 million, but you didn't do it. You just were the kid of the guy who made Walmart. Like, Give me my, Brady. What, all Would you rather long. have yeah. the status all, all of being Brady. awesome Abs- instead of just no, being some yeah, person? Absolutely, Brady. 100%. Yeah, look, pretty much everybody that's, that's the son or the daughter of a rich kid that doesn't have to do anything turns out to be an asshole. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. If you don't work for what you get, you just become an asshole. How much money do you need to have before you can declare that you've won life? It's probably only like ten million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, unless you're like Mike dollars. Tyson buying tigers and shit. Like, if you reach the $10 million mark, you've won. How are you going to blow through $10 million? I guess the only, there's the, only, the only concern is, like, general economic problems. Like, if you have hyperinflation and your $10 million is now worth enough to buy some bread, you have some problems. So you're going to have to diversify into, like, gold and things that will hold value through that nonsense. So yeah, maybe you need, like, $20 million so you can split it between $10 million in investing in this economy no. and $10 million investing in the holy shit shit hit the fan economy. You guys, it's $22 million, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Steve's being all gloom and doom with the future, <laughs> but that's all right. Hey, I'm giving we it 50-50 odds, and that's way better than I actually think it's going to be. So, you know, I'm trying to be optimistic here. <laughs> we appreciate your enthusiasm. Um, all right, I'm eager to move on to the Packers-Cardinals game. Oh, yeah. Bring it bring it to me. Bring it to me. Not only was that the best game of the weekend, clearly, it was one of the best playoff games I've ever seen. And, uh, when was the last time you've seen a wide receiver impose his will on a game the way that Larry Fitzgerald did? Just, like, d- decide, no, uh, the, I'm winning this prob- game. And the probably the last time Larry Fitzgerald did it in the Super Bowl, <laughs> yeah. except it didn't work because then the Steelers magicked that San Antonio Holmes touchdown in the corner of the end zone. But, yeah, um... I was always a massive Dan Marino and Marshall Falk fan, but since Falk retired in whatever it was, 04, 05, Larry Fitzgerald's been my favorite player in football for close to a decade now. I I love Larry Fitzgerald. I still have my Larry Fitzgerald jersey in the closet somewhere. Why don't you marry him? Uh, what if I could? But, <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was highly satisfying to see that play in overtime. One of the greatest football plays ever where Carson Palmer, spin the ma- magical spin move, gets what, away What did he hit X? What the hell's the button? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, he just mashed his X button, spun right away. And then, oh, I mean, I know Matt loves Collinsworth, 
but I watched this play like 20 times, and <laughs> I, I kept laughing because as soon as Carson Palmer throws back to the other side of the field where Fitzgerald is, Collinsworth just goes, nobody there. Like, it was, it was, I don't even know what his emotion was. It was yeah, like, how was that open? It was partial disappointment and just partial amazement. But, like, as soon as Palmer throws the ball and Fitzgerald's just standing there waiting for it to arrive, Collins just goes, nobody there. And I laugh every time I watch it. <laughs> and then, of course, um, Fitzgerald does catch the ball and proceeds to go up the left sideline, deke out Clay Matthews, and then he... Uh, blast that stiff arm right in the face of Sharper and just continue no, no I mean not Sharper um the fuck where's 42 for Green Morgan Burnett I think so 42 think on right. <laughs> whatever my apologies. guy number 42 that's all that's Morgan important. Burnett because I'm pretty sure Darren Sharper Sharper is in jail for Cosby and people it's Morgan Burnett by the way yeah okay yeah, sorry, Morgan. You do not drug women and rape them. You are yeah, not. Yeah, definitely not. Or Dave Meggett. Um, Clay Matthews had kind of a, a a weak game. Like, didn't he? Like, if you <clears throat> for a Pro Bowl linebacker. Well, I think they mentioned earlier in the game that he hadn't had a tackle in his previous two games because he he tackled somebody very early in the game, and that seemed like. An amazing fact to me. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, well, you know, you know who was happiest about Larry Fitzgerald's heroics, right? His mom. Who's that? Patrick Peterson. Because Patrick Peterson got bailed out for doing yeah. again. It's does Aaron Rodgers like? Does he have mind control that tells defensive backs to play five know. yards back in the end zone so he can I throw it know, to man. the end zone? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't ah. know how Aaron Rodgers keeps getting away with these hail marys, but it's well, that, funny. that one was a little different though. That one was a little different. If you saw it, he was on the move. It was almost like a normal pass. It wasn't like a bomb up in the air that five people were around. He was going like he was on a route. So it was it a was, little bit. Yeah, it wasn't like a whole pile of people in the end zone. It was it was oh, one on two. Yeah. It was Janice against uh, Peterson and twenty six, whoever that is on the Cardinals. Um. But, yeah, I mean, these defensive backs, especially when there's two of them and you can tag team the guy, they have to know to not allow the receiver to box you out in the end zone. Like, one of you has to get in front of the guy and just knock it down. Is This but, this, this is like tight ends, and a lot of tight ends have that basketball experience. It really is just, you know, plain and simple boxing out in that situation. Yeah, I and mean, if you Jack don't know how to do it. Boxed him out somehow. I don't, I don't know what it was. It was... But, I mean, it, but it made the game amazing. What can you say? No one throws Without... a prettier long ball than Aaron Rodgers. That ball, she just, it's just, it's the best ball I've ever seen. Well, he also got away, didn't he? I mean, he was pressured yeah, pretty hard. Yeah, he was, he was under severe pressure, yeah. which, which I have to praise Arians or yes. whatever, whatever defensive coordinator was responsible for the pressure. Thank you for finally not just dropping back in the prevent defense and having trying to go at them with a three-man pass rush because essentially what you're doing 
is taking three players off your defense because the three-man pass rush is never, ever going to get to Aaron Rodgers. So props to Arizona for actually blitzing the hell out of him. Yeah, but still Aaron Rodgers magically gets away, makes this miracle throw. And, I mean, I really have to give Aaron Rodgers all the credit in the world. I've been blasting him for close to two months now. But Randall Cobb got injured in, like, the first couple drives of that game. And Devontae Adams didn't even play due to injury. And James Jones, who's the biggest enigma in the world in terms of uh, wide receiver, one week he'll catch, like, eight passes for 150 yards. And then there's so many weeks where he has zero catches. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It seems like he goes from being... Rogers' favorite target to not being thrown the ball at all. He had two targets and zero catches in this game. So, in reality, none of Rogers' four best wide receivers were even a factor in that game. No Jordy, no Cobb, no Devontae, and no James Jones. You had Jared Abercadabra and Jeff Janis both targeted well over 10 times. And maybe a little Richard Rodgers sprinkled in. And that's all you had. And he damn near won the football game because Arizona played abysmally. Matt, Matt, I think maybe this you should do this play-by-play. The, the Hail Mary, the Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary. We need to know, was it as bad as I think it is, the Patrick Peterson? Okay, I, I'm going to watch it right now. And I, I lean more towards Steve. Like, he, he managed to get off this ridiculous sidearm throw and the ball did go really high in the air okay and so he he got so they, they sent six guys or seven guys he spun out he throws this ball janice is on the move janice is completely on the move and that is the, that is true patrick he's he's just beelining for for the end zone there's no stop he's beelining if you watch it and patrick peterson jumped up and tried to knock it down the other the mistake was the corner behind him Whoever that guy was, that guy didn't do jack shit. Yeah, whoever 26 is, he basically wasn't even there. Exactly. <laughs> it, it was essentially one-on-one. That, that's what he, I'm seeing. Peterson did come down, like, on the arms and the ball as soon as Janice touched the ball. Like, he did try to get the ball out of there. But, I mean, the two corners have to be working together more, and they have to be aware that they're supporting each other. One of them has to be in front of the receiver – like closer to the goal line and the other one has to be like up the receiver's ass wherever he ends up stopping in the end zone it was just i mean it was if if it was any other cornerback maybe i could but patrick peterson is praised as like one of the two or three best corners in the game is it's just really disappointing to see that breakdown in coverage yeah i'll tell you what looking at looking at that play again i don't think patrick peterson did much wrong there i really don't i think the other guy is to blame Completely. Yeah, the, the other guy basically didn't wasn't even involved in the. He was play. behind the play, and he didn't even come back enough to make any play on the ball. Oh. And not only that, if he was closer to Janice as Janice was going down, he could have easily ripped that ball out. Easily. Yeah, it was it was kind of amazing to see that Janice managed to maintain possession of the ball. Of course, he didn't secure it right away when he caught it. It um, he ended up possessing the ball by default. It was still moving around on his body while he was on his back. 
and he managed to secure the ball before it touched the ground, unlike Aaron Bailey 20 years ago. Mm. But um, <laughs> So that play sent us to overtime, miraculously. Yeah. And, yeah. by the way, is there any more pressure on a kicker to kick an extra point in the oh, year? That was, now that they're so long, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of that the whole time. I was like, wow, what if he misses the extra point? It would... And there, there was a... There was a play where that happened. My one of my favorite things in the history of football. Um, you know those kickoff returns where it's just pure desperation because there's no time left on the clock and there's all these fucking laterals and like high jinks and stuff. The um, Saints returned one of those for a touchdown. I think it was against the Jaguars or something. This was maybe ten years ago, and. They were down by seven. They returned this ridiculous multilateral kickoff for a touchdown. And then John Carney misses the extra point. And this was, of course, yeah. back when extra points were like 19 yards. I well, was it's gone. so ecstatic at the misery. <laughs> it's it's like on winning on a the other team scores but then misses the extra point to tie went from a one-outer to a four-outer. So I mean, it's you're still <laughs> probably not gonna win, but it's way more exciting. Yeah, it's you're still live to have the team miss the 33 yarder. Well, but. guys, I I was actually thinking while that while that was going on. I mean, I wasn't watching it live, but it was live for me at the time. And when it was going on, I almost thought that they should just go for two. Just go for two. I mean, um, you're playing yeah. a team that's on the that's road, yeah, than, and you don't <clears> have <throat> your full strength. Uh, Damon, to his credit, texted me that. And uh, I thought he was probably right at the time. When they kicked the extra point, he's like, fuck them for not going for two. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right because they have clearly the worst team. So you have a chance, like, with the ball in your hands to just dump off a two-yard pass or whatever and win the game. Yeah. I think – I think. okay, let, let's explain to people. This is a horrific mismatch from the start. The Packers did a great job to stay out in front for most of this game. Um, Carson Palmer did not have his best game at all. He threw the ball to the other team a couple times, and there were a couple more times where he tried to also. Yeah. But but in reality, this was a huge mismatch, and Arizona has clearly the better team. So if there's any time to go for two in that spot, this was it. And the Packers missed the opportunity, unfortunately. If Ron Rivera was the coach of the Packers, they would have gone for two there. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, what I have a question. Speaking of of, of this, because then what ha- the the result of that decision and the really really stupid coin flip incident. Why oh, can't that's... we have a coin with one team's name on one side, one team's name on the other side, and just cut the fucking bullshit? That no one needs exactly to lose a coin that. flip. And then because someone would said become, heads or whatever nonsense, just shut up. Just shut up. It's those, on the coin. Those coins would become like huge collectors' items too. Yeah, you could. Say, yeah, you could. Helmet sell them. on you, beach team. Dude, I yeah, tell you why they don't. So have easy them, because they're so goddamn cheap. The NFL is so cheap. Did you they, they call up the Franklin Mint? Year. Call up the Franklin Mint. They'll get some uh, coins made up. They're they're talking about this last year about how like they wouldn't put pylon cans. They wouldn't put pylon cams down. Yeah, There's no reason well, not I mean, to do that. You have to feel sorry for the NFL. They're not really making enough money. Yeah, they're uh, poor. Well, they're a non-profit, 
so they don't pay taxes or anything either. (laughs) Thank you, lobbyists. Anyhow. um, Bernie Sanders. I guess it's worth discussing uh, overtime also, because every time Aaron Rodgers goes to overtime, he he never even gets the ball. Pretty much every... I think they said he was 0-7 in seven career overtime games. And he's obviously one of the better quarterbacks, despite all the shit I've been giving him for a month or two. It's absurd that he's 0-7 in overtime. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. And this preseason, the Packers voted down a proposal to ensure both teams have a possession each overtime. (laughs) Really? Yes. I'm okay. Was it based on them saying no that it didn't go through? I mean, I don't know exactly what the numbers were, but the team voted against it that had suffered this several times already. Uh, I, I'm I of just the think opinion. You, you... Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I think you should just play a full period in overtime. And if it's yeah. not decided at the end of the full period, then you go to sudden death. You start another period and go to sudden death. Because, I and... I know people will say, like, football is really rough and whatever. It's brutal to have a whole nother period. Guess what that would do? Force teams to consider going for two on game tie and scores in regulation. How about this? Yeah. Guess what else? Guess what else? How about, how about you play a whole season, then you play some playoff games, and then you leave it up to chance of a coin? That if someone scores for <laughs> them, you don't even get a chance. <laughs> yeah. How about that for brutal? Yeah, that is, that is more brutal. I'm sure if you ask any of the Packers offensive players, they'd say, man, I sure would have liked to get out there and play a full period mm-hmm. instead of helplessly watching the other team's offense stroll down the field and ram it home for the win. Yeah, how, how anticlimactic was that? That comeback, that sick comeback to get to overtime, and then overtime, oh, yeah, one play, it's over. I think I think we'll eventually move towards the possibility of having a full period of play for overtime. That's that is really what you need. And then you could make the sudden death ten minutes. You could shorten it if you don't want them to pl- at risk playing a full hour and a half, because they may actually have concern for player safety. LOL. Now, uh, <laughs> our friend Henry basically told me that I was an asshole because I said that I liked college overtime. What what are your guys' thoughts on that? Do, do I love you know college how... overtime. I love it. It's it's so action packed, man. Whenever I watch college games that go into overtime, it's just like action, 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 action. That's <laughs> why people watch sports, isn't it? I mean, it's why I watch it. What's your like what's what's your opinion on the college overtime, Steve? Just fuck all the people who bet the under. I think the thing. <laughs> so, if I could explain this, I guess. To me, that style fits college football. College football is this kind of much more wide open uh, kind of game. You got the hash marks wide. You know, you just you know you're using the whole field on a lot of things, and it feels like that's fun. I don't know. I prefer the idea of having a full period. I think that you should allow 15 more minutes to decide the damn thing. I think the idea. I mean, to be fair, I also think that should be the rule in uh, in hockey. They should play a full fourth period before they go to sudden death in period five. It's the same thing. You want to see 
the teams play in a non-contrived circumstance. Sudden death is contrived because you will go for field goals or make other decisions significantly differently than you would if you knew you were playing the whole quarter. And so you want to see the competition as much as possible non-contrived, you know, not in this, you know, like the worst possible thing would be having like a kickoff, you know, field goal kickoff. Field goal kicking contest. And not just a field goal kicking contest, (laughs) but like each player could only kick once. So you had to have like your running backs and your quarterbacks that do kicks. um, No, fuck you. That would be amazing. (laughs) No, no. Look, I would love to see Marshawn Lynch try to hit a 45 yarder to extend the game. (laughs) No, here's what you do. Here's what you do. You start the kicker for a 30 yard field goal. You match. If the kicker makes it, the other kicker's got to make it. If they keep making it, you go back 10 yards each time. If they make a 60-yard each, then you put in one position player to kick a field goal from 30 yards. No, just play go. horse, and each kicker can choose exactly where to kick it from. They can call left uh, upright or right upright. <laughs> yeah, and when you think about it, just like philosophically, the idea of sudden death overtime doesn't make any sense. It's like you're saying, wow, this game's been so great that both teams are tied at the end of a full game. All That's right, it. let's get this fucking thing over with. <laughs> like, exactly in, in reality, exactly what you want is to see more. You want, yep. I'd be thrilled to see a full period of Packers versus Cardinals. But <laughs> you get a chance for another period ending Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary to tie, and then the potential for going for two at that point. I mean, come on. I couldn't believe that when I saw it because I, I, I knew, you know, everybody knows about the history. They're talking about, oh, Aaron Rodgers did this, you know, Richard Rodgers a couple weeks ago, whatever. But to do it twice in a season, that's incredible. I don't think I've ever seen that ever. I, I don't think I don't think seen. we'll ever see it again. Yeah. I think, you know what I think it was? It was just that that damn guy at the Buffalo Wild Wings pulled his lever <laughs> to make it go to overtime. And there was just nothing that anybody could do about it. <laughs> Patrick Peterson got the the Buffalo Wild Wings buzzer in his hip. And he's like, oh shit, we gotta let him catch this one. <laughs> we gotta oh, yeah. see if he owns stock. Let's, let's, let's look into that. Speaking of... Uh, great games there was not a great game after that the early sunday morning game i almost stopped watching it when carolina went up to 24 to zero yeah and uh this is one of the games that because i was busy i recorded and had planned on watching a little later and uh i i i I couldn't avoid spoilers really people just kept texting me about amazing Carolina was so I did eventually turn on the game and start watching it and they were amazing in the first half yeah well and then yeah the second half rolled around and they somehow let those fucking Seahawk cockroaches just skitter their way back into the game well that's the funny thing is so when the very first play of the game the very first play of the game the the Jonathan Stewart run. I'm watching, and, you know, I'm, I'm late on DVR. And I see Cam Newton leave the huddle, like, walking his, taking his slow-ass time, his sweet-ass time, looking around the whole stadium. And he gets up to the, the line, and he's just 
everything slows down for him and he says this little prayer and then he looks up and I'm like, Caroline is going to beat the fuck out of Seattle. Like, that's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> right? Like, that's, I looked at my wife and I said, this isn't going to be close. Like, and, and I predicted Seattle was going to win and it didn't matter. I saw Cam Newton there and we got, we have to talk about a lot of Cam Newton because he just, he, he's, he should be the MVP, I think, at this point. I mean, he uh, didn't even have the greatest game or he anything. He didn't, but he just... It's just that he didn't need to because Jonathan Stewart was running all over the place. Keekly handed them a touchdown. And, like, just fucking 31 points just materialized out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, <laughs> at halftime, the game's over. Or should have been. It somehow got painfully close towards the fourth quarter. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he's been doing it all year, and they've been... Getting doubted all year, partially by people like me. Well, I mean, th this isn't the first time that they've had a big lead that they've lost late, like stepping off the gas pedal. It's obviously the happening against the Giants. The Giants well. game had happened. Um, it's they do seem vulnerable to, I guess, just. Stepping off the gas pedal, just kind of Apathy. wanting to coast when they've yeah. got a huge lead. And, of course, Russell Wilson made a few of his miraculous Russell Wilson-y throws. That, I mean, the game was, uh, in one way you can say the game was way closer than it should have been. But in another way, it could have gotten more painful. Carolina had at least two first downs that they eked out by like the last millimeter of the football. Yeah, half I don't know a if chain you guys link. noticed that. Yeah. One of them was on a Greg Olson catch, the other was on whatever, I can't remember. One of them was but, very important. But they were really, really key a couple times for Carolina, like keeping the ball a couple more minutes and running more time off the clock. <laughs> Man, you get the feeling if that game lasted another five or ten minutes, Seattle might have won just on pure magic but yeah uh matt and i disagree heavily on uh next week's game yeah isn't that right let's fight <laughs> yeah matt matt seems to think that carolina is just gonna smoke arizona yeah demolish them i do but i do I still personally think Arizona's the best team in football. They they had a miserable game against the Packers. Palmer didn't look like himself. But, God, this team has, especially the offense, has so many weapons. And the Panthers just don't. I mean, obviously they have the ultimate weapon in Cam Newton, who's been unbelievable. But they don't, they're very thin at the receiver position. They have Stewart and Olsen. That's it's been enough so far. I, I don't I just don't know that it's going to be this week. The Cardinals are just very mean on defense and they move the ball well too. They're they're an incredibly balanced team. I, I feel like an asshole because I've been I've been expecting Carolina to just lose games all season. And I keep doubting them and they just keep pissing in my face and making me look like an idiot. It's probably going to happen again this week. Golden showers. Yeah, I, I like All Arizona this week, and Carolina's going to show me exactly how stupid I am. 
Well, I mean, I picked all four road teams, and they all lost. So, you know, if you were betting based on my picks, you got exactly what you deserved. I hope your kids starve. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. Um, I did like all four uh, home teams, actually, except for I didn't like the Patriots enough to do anything about it. The, the whole five points against a team. They'd have won 11 consecutive games. Scared the bejesus out of me. But uh, I, I did have some small bets on the other three games when they came through. Um, oh, I will uh, revert back to the previous game just because there was something I really wanted to mention. I, I mentioned that Carson Palmer had a really shit game. Um. This is something that announcers always do. Collins, your boy Collinsworth, was uh, guilty of this in that game. At one point, Aaron Rodgers threw a really horrific interception to midfield. I don't remember who picked it off, but he threw it like over Calais Campbell. And it was just like an extremely ill-advised throw. And I said to myself, man, that was awful. And... Chris Collinsworth was looking for every reason in the world why it wasn't awful. And he just made up that Calais Campbell tipped the ball. And I'm like, well, no, he didn't tip it, but okay. And he's like, oh, Aaron Rodgers tried to make this throw. Calais Campbell, what a play. Wow, Calais Campbell. And I'm like, you know what? If Carson Palmer made that same throw, you would be fucking eviscerating him and telling us how man. much he sucks. And then guess what happened? That. That's Late, true. Later in the game, Carson Palmer tried to force a ball a little bit into the end zone. It ended up getting picked off. And Collinsworth was like, oh, God, that was just awful. How can you make that throw? Yada, yada, yada. And well, I'm like, come on, please pry Aaron Rodgers' cock out of your mouth. It's so disgusting. The, the first throw, too. <laughs> Did you notice that? The first throw Palmer threw through it sailed over the receiver's head and Collinsworth was like all over him but it's yeah. actually interesting because my theory on it is he likes Aaron Rodgers better because Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback and Chris Collinsworth was a, a receiver there you go <laughs> yeah I mean I'm not defending Carson Palmer he had a very bad game and uh on the drive where they took the lead he he threw what should have been a pick six to Shields and then he threw that amazing ball that bounced off of a few people, and Michael Floyd just happened to be standing there and catch it. So, the, the, I mean, as much as Green Bay got lucky with those Hail Marys on that last drive, the Cardinals had their share of luck to it. But, okay, sorry about the backtrack. We'll uh, continue talking about how wonderful Cam Newton is and how much you guys love him. <laughs> I, I, I do like Cam. I even like his stupid commercial where he's got all his jerseys hanging on his wall and he's talking about all his accomplishments. <laughs> I think we have to talk about one of my pet peeves of football. Go for it. The fourth and five play for the Seahawks near the end of the game with the three-yard slant pattern pass. Hoping to get those last two yards in coverage. God, that shit that drives me crazy. Not yeah, that's... just not get waiting and knowing where the play goes and knowing where you need to be for the marker. It's just 
frustrating as hell. I think it may have been the game-ending turnover on downs. Okay. Well, I mean, the game truly ended when... Uh, oh, no, or was it... When no. they failed to recover the onside kick, right? No, yes, that's when it ended. I'm not... Sorry, I'm not exactly sure because I have it in the middle of my notes. Maybe it happened earlier in the game, but it happened. It was a fourth and five, and they ran a three-yard pattern. Yeah, and... that's just one of those frustrating <clears throat> things that you see over and over again is... Of course, if you're saying it was a slant, I'm sure they hoped that the guy would get some yards after catch. Just like that Kevin Dyson play in the Super Bowl where he got tackled at the one-yard line painfully. But I don't know about the... Yeah, but the placement right over the... Eh. It's, it's, just, it's just, it drives me it's crazy. It's just amazing that it became an issue in the first place. Like, that Seattle managed to almost come back in that game. It's just nuts. It just goes to show you that maybe my uh, kneeling the ball down in the beginning of the fourth quarter strategy isn't all it's cracked up to be. Because teams seem to find a way to become suddenly unstoppable when they use all four of their downs. Well, I mean, if you figure, what's the average yardage per play? Like, three-point-something yards? If you, like, just on the average, if you started going every every set of downs to four downs, you'd get it. Like Yeah, and it's, it's funny whenever you see uh, a team actually go for it on, like, fourth and two or fourth and three on, like, the other team's 44-yard line, which is something you don't see very much in the regular season. One of the announcers will be like, oh, man, this playoff football, they're trying to win now. Like, what? I mean, it's either correct or it's not, right? <laughs> like, if you think you're going to, if you think you can get two or three yards, why aren't you also doing it in the regular season? You only get 16 damn games in the regular season. They're all tremendously important. You should, <laughs> te- teams should be more aggressive. Stop punting the ball away for no reason when you're on the 38-yard line. It sucks. You never want a punt to potentially gain you 18 yards of yeah. field position. It's just such a disaster. Yeah, Although that you... leads to a question. Yeah. Can you take infinite delay of games so, like, you get, like, 15 yards for a punt? Like, could you just uh, keep de- taking delay, penalties? Delay of games are declinable. Okay. There's There's been instances where the other teams... Uh, the other team has declined a delay of game to not give the uh, the other team the extra five yards to punt with. But there have also been instances where the offensive team has tried to get a delay of game to see if they could get more yardage to punt with, and then the other team has declined it, and then the offense says, fuck you, we're kicking a field goal now. Sir, I'm sorry, I, I meant to say the defense declines it. I yeah. think I said offense again. Could, so, like, could, yeah, that would be an amazing chess, battle of match. Imagine a battle of wills where they just kept taking the penalty and declining the penalty. Yeah, like, there's nothing what, to stop that. I wonder what that. the referees would do about that. There's no mechanism to prevent two asshole I'll, coaches from not giving in. I don't know what the refs would do, but I'll tell you what. They would love the extra camera time. Those refs, man, they love it. They love being on camera these days. Ed Hockley. Ed Hockley is the main problem. He's the hey, first just... guy that was like, I want the camera. Show me the camera. I want to show well, off my guns. He also sh- he also shrinks his shirts in the laundry so that his, you see how ripped he is. He has the worst laundromat ever. Whoever he goes to needs to just stop. 
Hey, give the referees a break, Matt. They just want to make a difference. They want to affect the outcome of the game. All right? Referees should be should be seen and not heard. That's it. Period. <laughs> stop. Stop. Stop it. So they should relay the penalties in sign language. <laughs> yeah, maybe they should. <laughs> well, I mean, how much do you really need to signal? You already have a signal for the penalty. You could just have a little sign that you just like write the number on, or it's like a little LED sign that pops up the number, like they have in soccer matches to show who's going to be the the substitute. You just have a little number, and you do a sign, and then that's it. Everyone has a jumbotron now. You could they can show you up close, so you can see what's happening. Hockley always has uh, these long-winded explanations of the penalties he's calling and all these. Like I don't need to hear it. Just tell us what you're calling and move yeah, on. Just get off my like, TV. There, there was a spot in one of the games this weekend. I don't even remember which game it was, where there was a a receiver that had caught the ball and like almost stretched it across the goal line. But there was clearly going to be like a penalty on the offense, and I could just like, I, I could just see the future in a way like, oh god, they're going to deliberate for thirty seconds on the field to see what the ruling of this play is, whether it's a touchdown or not, even though there's a penalty. But fortunately, that didn't happen. The referee basically just got right on the mic, and it was like the result of the play is irrelevant. Penalty. This this guy, and then just moved on. Like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for. For keeping it brief. But, yeah, I think uh, it sounds like we're done with Carolina and Seattle. No. All right, so we're going to go on to uh, the fourth and final game before we talk about the championship games? Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, this was the game that I was just like, ugh, do we have to? And it lived up to all those expectations. Oh, I think you, uh, I think you had some preconceived notions about that game, and you're sticking to them. But it, it ended up being a reasonable game. For me, it was, uh, even though I took the Steelers in that game with the points, um, they were getting seven and a half points, which I thought was insane. Even though I had the Steelers and they had a very nice first half, it was hard for me to watch the first half because the Broncos' offense was so painfully inept, you got a nice, healthy reminder of how bad their offense had been all year with Peyton Manning at the helm. And, man, they just couldn't get anything going in the first half. And Manning was throwing decent passes, and his receivers were letting him down like they always do, dropping stuff all over the place. But then in the, uh, in the, second, in the second half, they managed to get their shit together. Largely due to that uh, that Toussaint fumble, when the Steelers were up 13-12, they had the ball on Denver's 30 to 35 yard line, and their running their running back fumbled it away, and that's where the whole game turned around. Denver dominated from that point on. Peyton Manning looks like he's about 89 years old now. I'm sorry. Yeah, to see it. man, it's hard for me to watch. It's because I've loved Peyton Manning his whole career. This is like watching Nadal lose to a new guy off the fucking street in Wimbledon every year. Like it, it sucks when you see when you have these guys that you're that you're so used to being perfect, and then their bodies just betray them, and they turn into a shell of themselves. 
which is basically what Peyton Manning is. And, uh, I mean, Peyton knows what the deal is. Even after the game, he basically corrected the side the first sideline reporter to come up and interview him congratulating him on like what a great game he had or whatever and he was like well, well it's you know the defense played really well today and i happened to be on the same team <laughs> so is basically what he said i'm paraphrasing yeah of course. yeah well but, do you remember that one hit he took he took a hit from will allen he didn't even see him coming did you see, you remember that play his neck snapped back like he had whiplash. And I was like, it, it made me cringe to watch because I know that he had a surgically repaired neck and he's about 59 years old. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see if Peyton Manning comes back next year. And I think a large part of that decision will hinge on the outcome of the remainder of this season. If he, if he finishes off this season with a Super Bowl win... That's it. It's hard. It's hard to see him coming back. He'll probably pull the L way and just be like, "All right, I'm done." But yeah, it's it's not it's not just the health. It's the fact that he is in a way hindering the Broncos' progress by making such an unfathomable amount of money. If he did come back, they would probably want him to take a tremendous pay cut, and I don't know if he'll do that. Like, I don't know if he'll weigh, like, the options of, like, do I want to only make, like, 2 or $3 million or have another grueling season of football. I certainly he's don't got, see him going to another team. That he's seems got that out Papa of the question. John's money, Mark. He doesn't need yeah, any money anymore. He does have the PJ money. But, I mean, even for somebody with as much money as Peyton Manning, the the mind still can't help but to be aware of you're receiving X compensation for Y amount of work, and is it worth it for me to do that? And I, I don't know what decision he'll land on. I, I, like I said, I certainly don't think he'll play for another team. But if he were to come back for Denver, I, I think some things would have to happen financially. They're going to want him to take a lot less money. I was just <laughs> going to say, what about the Colts? What about going to back, back up to luck? Uh, that's uh, that's certainly not going to happen. But <laughs> I, I think, honestly, the Broncos have probably seen enough of Brock Osweiler this year to realize that he's probably a pretty capable quarterback to to lean yeah. on in the future. And him having an entire training camp as the number one quarterback. Yeah, you know. it could be valuable. So it, it's possible Peyton steps aside just to not hinder the progress of the Broncos in the future. But who knows? But as far as um, as far as in the game, like I said, Peyton did not have one of the best games of his career. He certainly managed to lead them down the field when it was absolutely necessary. But there were probably quite a few Broncos fans pulling on their collar and feeling the pressure in the second half because it just didn't seem like. They were going to score again once they had 12 points. But they pulled it out. Peyton ended up going um, 21 for 37, which is not anything to write home about. But he didn't throw any picks. He didn't do anything to actively damage them. 
His receivers let him down on more than one occasion, dropping passes. Yeah, but, and Hillman Hillman let him down as well. Hillman had the the Trent Richardson, sixteen <laughs> carries for thirty eight yards. <laughs> yeah. Actually, who, who yeah, am I kidding? That's better than Trent Richardson. But sorry, sorry. They 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 did achieve almost perfect balance. Their running backs got thirty one carries, and Peyton threw thirty seven times. You don't usually see that type of balance in the NFL anymore. Usually the passes outweigh the runs more than two to one, it seems. But, I mean, Denver is, for all of their limitations, they seem to at least be aware of what they have to do, and that's run the ball and play defense and occasionally have Peyton make a play because their defense has been great this year. And they bailed them out again yesterday. That, uh... I forget who it was that knocked the ball out of Toussaint's hands and then DeMarcus Ware immediately recovered it. That was the absolute turning point in the game. That was a more damaging play for Pittsburgh than that Jeremy Hill fumble was for Cincinnati. It was just a complete game changer. It looked like Pittsburgh was going to drive down the field and put the game away. And then all of a sudden they're down 10 points in the fourth quarter with just a couple minutes left. It's it's amazing how fast a game yeah, it really is. Momentum is real. Yeah. Palpable. I mean, this. there's no way to <laughs> quantify how much it sucks that Antonio Brown wasn't in that game because of Vontez Perfect. Like, like yeah. he should have to go on national television and apologize to everyone for keeping the best receiver in football from being on the biggest stage uh, on the divisional round. You just have to apologize to everyone, like, in the face. And to Martavis Bryant's credit, it seemed like he filled in pretty nicely in the Antonio Brown role. It seemed like he had about 40 targets, and he had a pretty big day. He even broke off a 40-yard end around at one point. It was pretty nice. But it, it, it just wasn't enough. The Denver's defense was too good. It's hard to win when you only score 16 points like Pittsburgh did. How about Roethlisberger? Quite a performance for being as injured as he was. I, that yeah, guy is tough. I, I, I knew Roethlisberger would uh, tough it out the way he always does when a woman says no in the bathroom. He just, you know. Persistence. Keep, he, just, he just keeps his eye on the prize and keeps, you know, just got to keep at it. But... <laughs> But, oh, I, I had mentioned earlier about the, the amusing gambling aspect of this game. Uh, Pittsburgh was getting seven and a half points and for a large part of the game was dominating. And it, it wasn't even... It was only a passing thought that Denver might backdoor cover this game. But all of a sudden... Denver, who's down one point, drives for a touchdown. They nail the two-point conversion to go up a full seven points. And then you have a situation where Pittsburgh only has like two minutes and 40 seconds left, and they're on, they're on their own 40-yard line, and they have fourth down, so they decide to go for it because they also only have one timeout left. So what's the one thing you can't do? when you're going for it on fourth down and you're on your own 40-yard line. Take a sack. 
And, of course, Roethlisberger managed to get sacked down to the 30-yard line, which is where Denver takes over. And Denver manages to pick up a nice four or five yards down to the 25-yard line in their three downs. And then they have a comfortable, whatever it is, 43-yard field goal to put the game away. And they drilled it, and they're up 10 points, and everybody who bet Pittsburgh 7.5 like I did was feeling like it was a monster injustice. And then with 54 seconds left and no timeouts, the Steelers managed to work the ball into Denver's territory around the 30-yard line. And with about 25 to 30 seconds left, they do the correct move, which is to kick the field goal and then try to recover an onside kick and back to where the Hail Mary for the other score. Most a lot of teams don't realize that that's the correct strategy. If you if you try to keep progressing towards the touchdown, Waste you're likely you're likely either gonna run out of time, or you're not gonna be able to have enough time to get into field goal range to get the other three points on the other side of the onside kick. Especially because yeah, because you have yeah, never mind. So m- most most teams who are in any way competent with strategy at this point realize to uh, take the field goal first in that spot to at least give yourself a chance to win the game. And the Steelers did that, and they made the field goal for the cover. <laughs> the uh, biggest How that make you feel? Oh, I felt pretty good. It was the uh, biggest gambling uh, moment of any of the four football games by far. That was big swans. So... <laughs> yeah. Um. I sure as hell know Steve's done talking about this particular game because <laughs> he said he didn't even want to watch it in the first place. Were there any Matt, was were there any like iconic plays from this game? I'm trying to think back. I can't like the fumble, just the fumble. Just the besides the fumble, yeah, that's and that's a negative play. It's not like the Larry Fitzgerald puts on a Superman cape and just becomes godlike in overtime. Yeah. That's that's a play that will last in my memory forever. For sure. And certainly the Steelers and Broncos had none of those plays. Okay. <laughs> so we'll we'll say that you're vindicated. All right. Matt, do you want to add anything about this game before we move on with our predictions? No, I was just happy that that it was semi-climactic at the end. It was, you know, I mean Yeah. It finished well. The second half was far better yeah. than the first. That's undeniable. But both That's games on Sunday had an onside kick chance to go for a tying score. Which, why, I mean, while this isn't the best, at least there it's was something. something. It's something. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't completely put away. All right. Um, so, to start with, the uh, AFC Championship game. Wow, Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. This never happens in the playoffs. This is, what an amazing coincidence. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I was looking up AFC Championship game history earlier today. This is Tom Brady's 10th AFC Championship game. 10th. 10th. Miami has not been to the AFC Championship game since fucking 1992. I mean, come on, other teams. Get it together already. 
Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are embarrassing all of you. This is getting fucking stupid. Tom Brady has quarterbacked the Patriots for 15 years, and in 10 of them, he's in the AFC Championship game. Go fuck yourselves, everybody else. And one of, those years, one of those years, he got injured in week goddamn one. And Bill Belichick do. went 11-5 and five with uh, Matt Castle. Yeah. What's your Look, idea, Matt? All these teams have to do is, before the game, <laughs> okay, you go to the bulletin board, and you put a photo of Tom Brady at the NFL Combine on, the, on that bulletin board. And you say, this is Tom Brady. That's all you have to oh, do. Oh, yeah. Have the, you the seen dumpy, that photo? The dumpy I'm going to pull it up yeah. for you right now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you exactly what it is. Hold send on. A link to, send a link so what can, can What can it. we do to motivate teams to beat this fucking asshole? Like, I'm going to send here. I'm gonna send you guys this photo, and then we can discuss it. Keep, keep, I mean, keep talking, and I'll, I'll the, do this. The, Tom Brady, we can't deny, the reason that the Patriots beat the Chiefs, Tom Brady willed. He, it was Tom Brady's will that's, that put them over, over the top. Who yeah, can, I mean, who is stopping that? Who, why? It's it's amazing. You know what's sad about being okay. I I have my issues, of course, with being a Dolphins fan. It's perennial disappointment. Despite that, like I said, I was looking at the AFC history earlier today. The Dolphins are undeniably, at worst the fifth most successful team in the AFC history. Like, there are really only um, the Patriots, the Steelers, the uh, Broncos, Raiders, and Dolphins. And after that, like, after the Dolphins, and we'll say the Bills, they had that really nice run there four years in a row. There's a huge drop-off until you find any success at all for any AFC teams. Huge drop off. That's, what about Baltimore? Eh, they've they've won two Super Bowls, but yeah, of course, in, in Baltimore's defense, they've only existed for what is it, eighteen years? Yeah. So that's <clears throat> that's that's tricky. Let's just call them the Cleveland Browns. So that makes because they were <laughs> that makes the Cleveland Browns a. The original Cleveland Browns, a reasonable so, franchise. Also, about 18 years ago was when Tom Brady came into the league. The photo of him at the combine, by the way, it's not even high definition. It looks like I can't even like make it out perfectly. But what I can make out is here's a guy, Tom Brady, and he's wearing those old Converse shorts, the gray ones that that you know you know those shorts. You probably have them in your drawer. They're just they're not really comfortable, right? They're terrible shorts. He's wearing these shorts. He looks like he should be making a burger. And somehow he's slicing everybody. Can you see the photo, Mark? No, I was going to say, unfortunately, I don't see the picture. It's not Just coming Google through. Google it real quick. It'll come up right away. Just Google Tom Brady Come combine. On. Yeah, he's, he's just a guy. He's just a regular guy. He looks like, you know, I can picture him delivering my mail. Yeah, he doesn't look like much of an athlete at all, really. He's changed, but, man. Giselle's giving him that good stuff. Oh, that picture. Yeah, I've seen that picture before. Yeah. All right, this is Put that up on your Let, bulletin board. Be like, you're going to let this guy beat us? Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't stop him. Yeah, it's, it, it, it is depressing how good the Patriots have been for so long. 
So at this, but, Mark, I remember years ago, maybe like up to 10 years ago, you were a very, very passionate advocate for uh, Peyton Manning and the Manning versus Brady. Now, this was probably like 2007, 2008. Have you revised that since? What are you looking back on the retrospective um, of the careers? I mean, Peyton Manning is clearly the best regular season quarterback of all time. And football is the quintessential team sport. So, unfortunately, I don't think this is an argument that you can ever really solve. Obviously, uh, obviously Manning has had his difficulties in the playoffs, sometimes when playing against New England. But that's the, like, you can't make the comparison because Tom Brady doesn't play against New England's defense <laughs> at yeah. any point. Only Peyton Manning did. It's it's one of those really hard arguments to solve. If you um from a purely statistical standpoint, if you ever look at Peyton Manning's statistics, like season by season over his career, they blow Brady's just out of the water. Brady really only had that one like super phenomenal statistical year in two thousand seven where he threw for, like, uh, well over 5,000 yards on the 50 touchdowns or whatever it was. But the consistency with Manning, he has a... Uh, I'm actually looking it up right now, and the Internet is betraying me horribly. Three. I mean, he has, like, I think 14 seasons of throwing for more than 4,000 yards. That's insane. Yeah, 14 seasons <clears throat> of more than 4,000 yards. That That's used to totally be something insane. That, that used to be something that happened rarely. Like, a quarterback would only do that once or twice in his career, even if he was a really good quarterback. And granted, the game has changed. There's yep. The yardage numbers are hyperinflated because of largely because of every single drive starting from the 20 yard line. Well, that much. and how many more passes there are. Look how many, and how many people get to hundred receptions, hundred receptions used to be a rare ass thing. And now yeah, players, you know, 130, 140. Of course, you're not allowed to touch the receivers anymore either. You can't do dick. I mean, Dan Marino and Jim Kelly and John Elway, they played in an era where you could still just, punch anybody in the face uh, and no penalties get called you know i think john elway never threw more than 27 or 28 touchdowns in a season doesn't that seem crazy to you yeah like when you know what you know in your head because you you've seen him play anybody who's watched john elway's career knows that he's one of the best quarterbacks one of the best quarterbacks but if you look at his stats they're thoroughly unimpressive compared to what you'd find now. They're, and if you look at, like, Troy Aikman's stats, for example, really unimpressive. So You know, that's one thing that always gets me when we're talking about sports, how all these announcers will be like, you'll never see this again. You'll never see someone this good again. You'll never see someone this quick to this many points or whatever. And I'm like, yes, you will. They keep getting better. Everybody keeps getting better. How do you say that you're not going to see this again? 
It's like the Jordan thing. People were like, oh, you'll never see someone as good as MJ again. Oh, here's LeBron. Oh, you'll never not see only, anybody as good as LeBron. Here's Steph Curry. There's going to be another one behind him, too. Not only do they keep getting better, Matt, but also defense seems to become less prevalent in virtually all sports, except for arguably basketball. Like, <laughs> in the 80s in basketball, you had all these crazy games where, like, the Hawks would play the Celtics, and it would be, like, 146 to 133. So, there's... You could argue that there's a little better defense than that in the modern NBA. But in the NFL, you're basically just not allowed to play defense anymore. Everything's a penalty. Everything extends a drive. You, you can't do anything to the receivers. So, so yeah, the stats are going to be different. And, man, we've really gone off on a tangent since you asked me who's better, Manning or Brady, and I virtually ducked the question entirely. But... Uh, well, I, I mean, was, that's the matchup. That's that's the story of this game. Yeah, I've but, I've still never seen anybody have the command of an offense that Peyton Manning has, or be a smarter quarterback. Well, we're um, talking about we're talking about this game this Sunday though, or this Saturday, whatever day it is. Oh, Who's man. better this Saturday or Sunday? I don't think anybody could argue that Manning has more left in the tank than Brady. Yeah, I mean. Unfortunately, Peyton Manning's body has betrayed him, like I said earlier. And Tom Brady still looks like he could play forever. So, in, if you're making me just square off Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning, it's obviously Tom Brady has the edge right now. And I mean, and I know that the Broncos beat the Patriots in that overtime game, but that was the depleted as hell Patriots. There was no Edelman. I think Gronk was out for that game, too. Or Amendola. Someone, at least two other people were out. Now, with the way that that offense looked this week, I don't see... I mean, I know Denver's defense is really good, but I just it's, it's really hard for me to watch both of the AFC games this week and think that the Broncos have a realistic shot of winning this game. And I think that's honestly how a lot of people feel, and that's, that's probably why New England is a three-point road favorite. Which is not I was just going to ask you how how how, how do you think Vegas feels. I was just going to ask you that, and you read my mind. Yeah, the New England's three a three-point road mm-hmm. favorite in Carolina. Do you know what the line is for the other game? Uh, also three, but Carolina's uh, favored. Well, what did you think they were before you looked at the lines? Oh, um, I mean, th- th- this this is irrelevant. I, I looked at the lines well before today, but. I would have thought Carolina about minus three, but the New England line is actually quite surprising to me. I would have thought that would be more along the lines of a pick I'm, I'm surprised to see that New England is uh, favored by as much as they are. <laughs> if you have a house, you should bet it on New England. Let's put it that way. That's my opinion. Yeah. Then you can have two houses. Imagine the economic instability if everyone just followed Matt's advice. Just everyone who owns a house put it up on this game. <laughs> Half of the houses in America change ownership to a casino. That seems like a worthwhile. <laughs> yes, but the other half, the other half, they have two houses now, and they can rent one out to the people that lost their house. Economics one on one, baby. There we go. You're creating a group. You're creating entrepreneurs. Yeah. Vote for Matt. He's creating jobs. 
Matt is smart. I gotta start thinking harder. All right, so predictions. Obviously, my prediction is New England is going to win this game and uh, and cover, win and cover. Um, it, it's hard for me to disagree with that prediction. I'm gonna go with win and cover for New England. What about you, Matthew? Yeah, I think oh, well, yeah, we already. That's I think right, they're gonna win by about said. by about thirty nine. Okay. Yeah. Giving well, Denver no credit at all. Yeah, but that would have still be better than their Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, they lose that forty three to eight. Was it like a million to two? I don't know. Dear um, Lord, that was that was a bad one. That was that and the yeah. Okay. Anyway, we have another game to talk about. Carolina, Arizona. Yeah, and I this think good Matt. One. I think Matt also advocates a house bet on Carolina. No, no, not a house bet. But I would bet like a hundred bucks, probably. No. Would you bet the dog? No, I'm kidding. I would bet my house, um, <laughs> but I'm not going to this time. <laughs> you already have a because bet on the New England. You can't bet your same house twice. That's true. Well, I could hedge my bet, sort of. But I, I think Carolina is going to crush them. I, I think the reason why I think this is because I think Carolina's defense is some of the most physical defense that I've seen, and. What I find to happen in playoffs, the deeper you go, the bigger defense is. And I also know that Carson Palmer has some issues with his hand. And what do you throw the football with? You throw it with your hand. You don't throw it with your knee, your elbow. You throw it with your hand, and his hand's injured. You know what I think? Put Drew Stanton in. I'm going to go bold. Put Drew oh, Stanton come on Did you now. see him celebrating oh. on the sideline a couple weeks ago? He was doing the dance. He was so psyched. Put that guy in. That guy's a good quarterback. Take Palmer out. Yeah. You heard it here first. Hey, maybe they could get Ryan Lindley back. (laughs) Um, Well, okay. I will figuratively bet the dog and take Arizona. I still like Arizona in this game, despite their disappointing showing against Green Bay. And so, like, I really think this game is going to be close. I guess my pick is jam the over. Like, I really, like, 48, they're going to blow 48 away. I think both teams score 30 in this game. Yeah, I can see that happening. That's going to be a fun game. I mean, if you if you make me pick, I'm going to pick Carolina. But I'm basically just biasing that on the home field. I wouldn't really like to pick this game. I wouldn't bet it in any way, shape, or form except the over. I'll bet it for both of you guys. <laughs> Just, you know, pour one out for my homies. Pour one Whoa. bet out for my homies. Um, well, I mean, did we have anything else about the game we wanted to talk about? We got to the prediction pretty quick. Um, okay, no, over-under so. on balls that Cam Newton gives to little kids. Set the line. That's the coolest thing. It really is. And, Make uh, a kid's fucking, like, childhood. Yeah, yeah I mean, there, there's nothing bad that you can say about that. <laughs> That's, uh, I wonder if it was him that decided very that. Nice or his tradition. Or if it was his PR team that decided that. I don't, I don't think it's... I mean, it's not just Cam Newton that does it. It's everybody on the Carolina team. Whenever, they, whenever they score a touchdown, they just give the ball to the kid. and It's a nice thing. Has anyone noticed when, when Cam Newton is... is uh, He's back behind the center. 
and he's calling out signals. He has the deepest voice just imaginable. It's just like, and I can imagine it's like got to resonate. I bet that's an advantage in loud stadiums when he's on the road. I mean, obviously, he's not going to be an issue this week, but how deep and resonant that is, that's the kind of thing that can break through a crowd. Um, I wonder if that's an advantage. It's, just, it's impressive. It's just something I notice every week, how friggin' deep yeah, his I, voice Yeah, I can't is. honestly say I had noticed how loud he yelled. Listen, uh, listen this week. He'll be home again, so you'll be able to hear. Okay. Um, now you got me obsessed and looking up all these uh, Manning and Brady stats. To be honest with you, <laughs> and uh, I mean, this is this yeah, is going on ten years now that this has been the question. Has there ever been like in football a ten-year span where there's just clearly like top two top quarterbacks that are always the compared to each other? Well, um, no, you Montana and Elway. Well, no, Marino, I don't know. No, Montana was in the league in, like, 79 or 80. Marino and Elway came out the same year, as did uh, Jim Kelly, I believe. So you did that, that 1984 draft was something special. You had those three guys, and you had Ken O'Brien, who was a thing for a while. And uh, I think you actually had Warren Moon, too, but he played in the CFL for a few years. What Warren Moon's stats would look like if he didn't, like, come into the NFL age 27 or 28 or whatever it was would be amazing. I mean, he's still in the NFL Hall of Fame regardless, but if he had started a little earlier instead of playing CFL, wow. Warren Moon's an underrated player. He's the color guy for the Seahawks now. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, well, later in, later in his career, he played like a season for the Seahawks, season for the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, he did the rounds. But uh, yeah, as far as as far as career passing yards goes, my lord, it's amazing what Peyton Manning's done. He's got he's got about seventy two thousand passing yards now. Brady has fifty eight thousand. Uh, Peyton has played about forty more games, so that's about. That's about two and a half seasons worth of games. So it's roughly on the same pace, you figure, if Brady's throwing for like 4,500 yards a year. But uh, who actually uh, who actually does clearly beat Brady in yardage is Drew Brees. Believe it or not, has thrown for... Uh, almost 3,000 yards more than Tom Brady in seven less games. I don't think people realize the disgusting numbers Breeze continues to put up. But it, it's just uh, people would say Brady's the better quarterback, clearly because he takes care of the ball so much better. It seems like at least once a game, Breeze tends to throw an interception that just horrifies you with how stupid it is. But, I mean, you can't argue with the fact that 10 straight years, Breeze has thrown for at least 4,400 yards. That is insanity. But, yeah, we, we could uh, uh, 
circle around in this argument all day long about the greatest quarterbacks. It's one of those things that people love to get passionate about. But real but in reality it's fairly trivial because football's such a team game. There's a lot of quarterbacks that one way or another you can't really go wrong with them. <laughs> what are you laughing at me for, Matt? I'm not laughing at you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think do we want to talk about uh the NFL returning to LA real quick, the uh, big news of the last week. Oh, sure. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of cool because for a while for me, I mean, I'm an avid Dolphins fan, but the Rams were my second favorite team for a long time. And I, I still enjoy the Rams. It's just that I, I worshiped Marshall Falk so much that, when he was on the Colts, they were pretty much my second favorite team, despite being in the Dolphins division at that time. And as soon as he got traded to the Rams, they became my favorite team. And I was a big fan of Isaac Bruce for all those years, too. So it's exciting to see the Rams go back to L.A., where they haven't been since, I believe, 1994. Back in the uh, Tony Banks era, I guess. It seems <laughs> to be the place where, I mean, L.A. was really excited because... That was the team they really identified with. The Raiders were just, it's like, they just kind of came to town. But the Rams, they'd been there since the 50s. I mean, it's not like they're going back to Cleveland. I'm sure no one would care. <laughs> Can you imagine if there was a movement to bring the Rams back to Cleveland? Crazy legs, Hirsch. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I do feel bad for St. Louis. They're losing their team, whatever. Again. Again, yeah, they had lost the Cardinals before when they went to Arizona. But but you can't just continue to not have football in L.A. It just doesn't make sense. It's such a major market. The fact that they have not had football there for going on 20 years now is insane. Actually, more than 20 years, I think. So it's good that they're getting the Rams back. I like it. Maybe we could go to a game, Matt. Make the drive out idea. to see your Rams game. It's a good idea. Well, when yeah. the Rams play the AFC East, you have two excuses to go down. Well, maybe. I guess it depends on where it's played. I've learned my lesson. <laughs> every, every time I go watch the Dolphins, they lay an absolute egg. That's just, I've never Arizona's seen Dolphins just, just as close, Mark. Arizona is just as close as L.A. So Very true. That would actually be more of my speed because I really like Arizona as well. Yeah. As I went I, to a game last year. Big Fitz fan. Yeah, my neighbor is a season ticket holder, and he invited me last year. It was one of the most fun experiences of my life, actually. Very fun. We tailgated before. It's pretty good. Yeah, live football is fun, provided that there's not a lightning storm before the game and they force everybody into the hallways where they're packed so tightly that they piss and shit themselves because they can't get to the bathroom. <laughs> really? That's what happened in the Dolphins-Steelers game that I went to. That does not sound very fun. No, it wasn't. Did you piss not. and shit yourself? I did not, but other people <laughs> did. No bowel it, control. Well, imagine... <laughs> Imagine an entire stadium's worth of people all in the hallways at the same time. Well, hold on. You have to set the scene a little bit better than that. You, how many people did you say? Whatever Heinz Field holds. Okay, whatever 70, Heinz Field holds, who are all eating nachos and hot dogs and drinking beers like water. 
that is a problem when you're all packed in like a sardines and in a place you can't even get to the bathroom. Yeah, it was it was a bummer of a game to be to or to yeah. be at rather. And uh, of course, the Steelers ended up winning three to nothing. What an exciting game! Oh man, <laughs> yeah, you I, saw I, a field I, goal. I I sure I sure can pick them. <laughs> oh well. Uh, it sounds like we're about ready to wrap up this week. Yeah, that's a good note to end on. Yeah. Yeah. If you're still listening, thanks. <laughs> Checks in the mail. <laughs> zero dollars and zero point zero one cents. Yeah. I guess uh, we'll probably see you next week for a briefer recap since there's only two games, but. We'll be here talking about them for I'm, anyone who's willing to listen. I'm sure we could figure out some way to talk about each game for like 45 minutes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, good night and God bless. Yeah, farewell. <laughs>